I don't want you to forget that what we're what we're doing, what we did last week, and what we'll do tonight, um, is really the the preface to a study of um, Romans 13. Um, as you know, I read you just the opening line of Romans 13 last week, and I, and I want to show it to you again. Uh, Romans 13 uh, opens this way: Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. So the whole issue of God and government is is before the house, um, uh, not by me, uh, not by uh, the upcoming fall elections. Uh, the the issue of government is before the house because of Romans thirteen, verses one through seven. That's uh, Paul's great treatise on the relationship of the Christian to government. So uh, what what I did is um, make reference to a sermon last week that had really caught the attention of. Uh, a very wide swath of, of God's people. Um, interestingly, as I said, I had four people email it to me and, and ask me to watch it, which I did, and uh, commented on it last week. But uh, what I want to do tonight is, is continue that discussion, and then we'll launch into the text. That is, if we can finish this tonight, uh, we'll launch into the text next week. Um, guys, my, my goal tonight is very simple. It's very um, un, um, It's very small. It's not a large goal, it's a small goal, and, and the goal is simply this, to convince you that this whole subject, this, this, this subject of the relationship between um, God's people and the state is very complex and nuanced. It is not as simple as it might appear, and, and I, I want to try and um, support that one propositional statement in lots of different ways. I think the, the one of the issues is that there is a confusion that, um, and as I, I illustrated last week, the issue of patriotism, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, we love the patriot. We love um, uh, the idea of patriotism. But it is not to be confused in any way with righteousness. I, I told you the story about the book that I've uh, been reading on um, uh, the suffering republic. Uh, on the Civil War and how how so many of the the, uh, the soldiers in the Civil War thought that their souls would be safe because they were giving their lives for their country, and that was one of the the, the big uh, discussions that if I go die for my country, will God accept me? And that is a classic illustration of the confusion between church and state and patriotism and righteousness. Um. To, to just to give you just a, um, an introductory story about the the complexity and the nuances that exist in in this relationship. <coughs> um, years ago, I mean, the, the, when I went to seminary, the man who taught me Hebrew was a wild man. He was a uh, his name was Dan Morris. He was a good guy. He um, um, he had studied in, in Jerusalem, and he's just a really a good fellow, but he in, ended up leaving the seminary campus and pastoring a church in Memphis, Tennessee. Actually, it's right out here on, on Houston Levy Road. It's now uh, St. Patrick's, uh, uh, St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church. Well, it used to be an Episcopal church, and it was pastored by Dan Morris. Dan Morris, if, some of you may even, might even remember this, but was dragged before uh, all of the news media back in the late 80s. And the issue was... Taxation. It's the, one of the issues before the House today. Taxation. We're being taxed too much. Well, Dan Morris um, was um, uh, was tried in a court um, here in Memphis. Uh, in fact, uh, the attorney that uh, tried him 
is an elder at First of Ann, um, um, Hick Ewing. Uh, and the, the issue was he felt like he, did, he was not responsible to pay taxes um, because some of, the ta- some of his tax money was being used to fund abortions. Now, I got, I've, I got some bad news for you, ladies and gentlemen. Some of your tax money is being used to fund abortions. It is. And he felt like that was grounds to say to the government that he had no right to pay. He, he wasn't, it wasn't a duty for him to pay taxes. Well, of course, as you know, Jesus says that we're to render to Caesar um, what is Caesar's. All I'm trying to show you guys, oh, by the way, just, a, just as a further uh, continuation of that story, my presbytery, now, you know I'm a Presbyterian. I'm an ordained PCA Presbyterian. And we're grouped into things called presbyteries. Presbyteries are regional, they're, they're regions where all the churches in that region come to a presbytery meeting. Our presbytery censured Dan Morris over the idea, I mean, it was very public, all in the news media, censured him because of his stance about taxes. And uh, my whole presbytery, the only person that spoke in favor, not in favor of his, his position, but trying to defend Dan Morris was yours truly, me. In fact, I went on record saying I opposed the vote at presbytery because of what we were doing to this, although I did not agree with his political position. All I'm trying to show you guys is often what you hear is makes things a whole lot simpler than I think they are. Um, for example, there are those who would say to you that you should always submit to the government. And they would appeal to a statement made by the Apostle Peter when he says in 1 Peter 2, 13, Be subject for the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Did you hear that? Sounds pretty unequivocal, does it not? Well, this same man that wrote that um, in the book of Acts is the one who seems to violate those principles that he wrote down. In Acts chapter 5, you know, it's Peter who says, we must obey God and not rather than men. That's uh, Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Now, then on the other end of the spectrum, there are those, those folks who are... Um, called sovereigns. Did you see that in the paper last week? Sovereigns. Um, this was an article in the Commercial Appeal uh, just last, uh, oh gosh, uh, Thursday, I believe. Um, uh, who, many of whom call themselves Christians. By the way, the uh, the two, uh, was their name Cain that killed the two uh, police officers in West Memphis? You know, do you not, that they were doing what they were doing in the name of Christianity, and not, not the killing, but their their political positions was were done um, ostensibly as as representatives of the Christian faith. Um, Peter, excuse me, Paul, who writes Romans thirteen, uh, if you will take a look at him in Acts chapter sixteen, uh, you don't need. I'm not. I don't mean to deter it, but in Acts sixteen, Paul is you know he's whipped, he's uh, he's flogged by a, a government. And the government finds out he's a Roman citizen, and they come to him and say, well, you know, okay, well, you run on. And he says, wait a minute, no, you're not going to treat me like that. I want a public apology. 
And so my, the point being, he writes this business about uh, submitting ourselves to government authorities, and yet you see him in Acts chapter 16 not submitting to government authorities. Guys, um, this is a complex issue. We Christians are supposed to be people who seek the welfare of the state, the welfare of, of the, of the city. You remember, you remember where that comes from? Jeremiah chapter 29, and it's written to Judea, to Israel, who has been dragged into captivity by the Babylonian government. And what kind of government do you think that was? You think it was supportive of, uh, godliness? Of course not. And yet, Israel is written or given a message from God through Jeremiah. Seek the welfare, uh, because in her welfare, it'll be good for you. We're told in First Timothy to pray for government leaders. Live as good citizens. But the problem, I think, or the mistake that we make, is that we forget, and you know, we're supposed to be good citizens, yes, 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 but we forget that our citizenship or the, the primary citizenship that we hold is a heavenly one. Can I read you that? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, guys, um, what I want to do tonight is, is I want to I diagram something for you that I first saw done by a, a dear brother, David Montague. And I, and I hope this will... What I think, it illustrates the mistake that we're making. Um, I, I hope I can do it as well as he did it, but we'll, 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 we'll try. And we hope this thing will work once. Okay, guys. Um, I do exactly what they tell me to do, Steve, and it never works. There, it's working. All right. Now, guys, we're going to call that. By the way, the, the, um, the, the tome... The standard work concerning the Christian and the state is this. It's St. Augustine, Augustine's The City of God. You ever heard of that? Well, if you're a real Christian, you'll read this. But, uh, I mean, this is, um, uh, he talks about the two kingdoms and he calls them cities. Just want to read you a little bit of this. Two cities have been formed by two loves. The earthly kingdom or city by the love of self, even to the contempt of God, the heavenly city by the love of God, even to the, to the contempt of self. The former, in a word, glories in itself, the latter in the Lord. For the one seeks glory from men, but the greatest glory is the, is the, uh, of the other is God. Um, uh, this way, um, we have two cities or the two communities of men. Cain built a city. Abel did not. Of course, Cain was... And, and I, I'd love to read you more because that's fascinating stuff. But but here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. There are two kingdoms. There is... And, and which, which Augustine calls cities. The city of God and the city of man. And they are, they are, they are born from two different sets of loves. Now, let's talk about those loves for a second, Okay. Let's talk about the city of, of man. Okay? Now, help me out here, guys. In the city of man, there are several things that are important in the city of man. Give me an example of one. 
What? Money is important. What else? Women. <laughs> I tell you what. Let's let's do it like this. Um, uh, you know, slash women. <laughs> That's important in this in this women in this kingdom over here, isn't it? What else? What power? Power. What else? What? Security? Anything? I mean, we could go on and on forever. We could just fill this thing up over here. Now, there's another, there's another city that intersects with that city. And it's the, the city of God. Now, guys, there are a few things that we, we have common interests in these two kingdoms. Um, education. Health. Uh, environment. Now, <laughs> tell me, over here, what things are important over here in this other city? Righteousness. Truth. God's glory. Now, folks, you and I have a dual citizenship. We live in two cities. And with this city, there is some intersection. Yes, there are some common interests. There are some common goals. There are some common themes. I've listed three for you. But in the main, ladies and gentlemen, this kingdom has set itself in opposition to that one. What I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't gotten this yet, is this is where we belong. This is our primary allegiance. This is where our highest loyalty is. Our highest loyalty is to God in this kingdom. Our citizenship is here. Now, but what you see is so much of our interest dedicated to save this. Whose very principles are antithetical to this. Guys, um, You, you remember the the um, the classic work by Edward Gibbon? It was the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. And um, in in the uh, in Gibbon's work, um, this is this is a quote, but it's 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 a huge volume. But he blames. By the way, um, Augustine wrote this book, and his his primary goal was to, the Christian church was being blamed for the fall of the Roman Empire. And he wrote this book to defend Christianity as not being the culprit in the fall of the Roman Empire. But I just thought that. Anyway. But Gibbon said that, the, that he blamed the demise of the Roman Empire on what he called the loss of civic virtue. Now, guys... Tell me, 
where do you look for blame when it comes to the loss of civic virtue? Remember, politics is downstream. Culture is upstream. Gang, is it, is it politicians to blame for the loss of civic virtue? Maybe some of you think it is. I would suggest to you that that, those politicians are there because we, as the electorate, put them there. Now, you say, well, I didn't vote for that guy. I understand, ladies and gentlemen. But you are a part of a culture that did put them there. They are downstream. They're not upstream. What's upstream is the culture, the loss of civic virtue. Now, and, and how do you intend, or what would you suggest, what would be your suggestion as to how you could address the loss of civic virtue? To change politicians? Really? Surely you can't be that naive. So guys, our, if our efforts are designed to change things by changing a government, I think we're doomed. We're doomed to, to disillusionment and to failure in the, in the enterprise. Our foremost allegiance is to this kingdom and its king. Um, and if America asks me to disobey this king, then I must refuse. Because my citizenship is here, not here. Now tell me, ladies and gentlemen, where are our efforts being addressed? Where, where is the church supposed to address or to pour out her efforts. I would suggest, and that's what I suggested last week. Guys, I want to give you an example of, um, and this is really going to ruffle some of your feathers. Um, It's amazing how passionate people can get over over these things. And I, 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 I get it. But I want to give you a case study that's really going to just really get into your, your, it's going to get me in trouble. Let's talk about the national health care law. Anybody got any opinions about that in here? (laughs) (laughs) You've got, (laughs) spoken like a real doctor. Yeah. um, The national health care law. Now, first of all, folks, um, it just, it, it's an example, it's a case study as to how I, how I think we ought to be thinking about the national health care law. Folks, um, oh, they're listening now. Um, what is that fool going to say now? Um, here's what I'm going to say. I'm for anything. I am for anything that reduces the pain of the poor. You want me to pay more taxes? So be it. I can afford it. But that is not my primary motivation. My primary motivation is this. 
my king says, when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you you bound me up. And he says, uh, well, when did we do any of that? Well, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now, guys, you're out there thinking that I'm a fan of the national health care policy. I am not. Because it's, it's, it's made so complex by things like illegal immigration, um, abortion, uh, the abuse of the, of the policy. So in, in, in essence, it becomes a bad policy because of all of the, the things that are encrusted in it. But ladies and gentlemen, what we ought to be pleading for is that the health care needs of the poor be met. Now, how are we going to do that? I don't know. But ladies and gentlemen, you and I cannot take a deaf ear to the poor. Why? Because that's politically correct? No. But because the king said that we couldn't. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when I hear this discussion about national health care, what I hear is people saying, don't take any more of my money. You know, okay, maybe there's unjustness in the take. Okay, I- I'm with you. But ladies and gentlemen, has anybody stopped and paused and said long and taken long enough to think, how are we going to meet the needs of the poor? Because ladies and gentlemen, that is a kingdom virtue. But we spend our time talking about patriotism. Guys, um, in the state of Tennessee, well, no, no, no. In Ch- no, no, no. In the city of Memphis, there is a hospital that is abused by the poor. Abused. Abused. I mean, um, my wife has first-hand experience as to the abuse of free health care. I, I'd love for her to tell you that story. It had to do with taking her mother to the hospital one time. And yeah, it was just, it was unbelievable. But tell me, guys. When your kids get sick, what do you do with them? I mean, you um, you run them down to the pay your copay, and uh, you uh, you get some uh, you get you some health care, and then you get yourself a prescription, and then you run them down to Walgreens, and you uh, you get that thing filled, and you give your kid that that prescription, and your child gets better. It's nice, isn't it? It's a good system for us. What do the poor do? Yeah, they abuse the med. They abuse it. And they call for, they make 911 calls when they have a head cold. Abuse. And I wish there's somehow we could get that stopped. All I'm trying to show you guys is how complex this is. I wish we could address those things. But fundamentally, 
You and I, as members of the kingdom of God, not this thing. Oh, there's some, there's some commonalities that we share, yeah. But we belong here. And what is it that's important to this king and his kingdom? The poor, the needy, the weak, the orphan, the widow. And our, our concern, I think, is um, that if we adequately fund these things, then it's going to lower our, um, our uh, way of life. And I'm all for it. I, I don't know about what you think. I'm just telling you, King Jesus says the kingdom is identified, no, kingdom principles are identified with the poor. We he comes to, to broadcast a gospel to the poor. Guys, I'm just giving you one example. Just, I gave it because I knew that you were interested in that one. And my wife will tell me on the way to supper, why did you choose that one? Why couldn't you have chosen, you know, education or something. I understand this is the big thing for us. But we need to be thinking like this, not like this. Now, what all does it mean? I don't know. I mean, you know, I I, I told you my, my goals were simple tonight. Just to tell you that it's not as simple as saying the Democrats are wrong. It's not that simple. Very frankly, guys, in some measures, the Democrats are right. And if the Republicans just want us to guard our own little bank accounts and 401ks while people don't have access to something that we take for granted, that ought to move us somehow. We ought to be, we ought to be saying no to something like that. So if it means that I, I have to pay a little bit more taxes, and will those taxes get misspent? Probably. Yeah. But what are the principles of the king? Find out what those are. I'm saying, guys, that our mistakes are being made. And I, and I tell you, people deluge me with, you need to watch Glenn Beck. You need to, you know, and very frankly, guys, I'm telling you, those guys are as warped on one end of the spectrum as CNN is as warped on the other end. We don't need to listen. Well, you don't need to get your values from either one of them. We belong to this kingdom. Remember? What does this king have to say? What does he ask of us? Not whether I can get somebody that wants to give advantages to big business. That's this stuff. We're supposed to be thinking like this. And therein, I think, lies the confusion, guys. I said it's confusing. It's a complex. It's a nuanced issue. And it is. And I've tried to give you some illustrations of the nuances and the complexity. But fundamentally, fundamentally, the mistake we've made is this is what we've forgotten. We belong here. This is who we are. And so this is how we got to think. 
We've got to find out how, how to think and think like that and, and promote those values. Our safety, my brother and sister in Christ, our safety is to be found as close to the king as we can get and promoting whatever values he promotes. And I'm telling you, if you read your New Testament and you can't find how determined he is to somehow level this this chasm between us haves and the have-nots, I would I would simply encourage you to go back and read the New Testament again. Because the gospel is good news for the poor. It's release for the um, the oppressed. That just doesn't happen to be us. So we got another role to play. What is that? Well, I'm certainly not going to hear it over here. I'm going to find out what it is over here. And then I'm going to go. I'm going to go seek. I'm going to try to be a good citizen. And I'll seek the good of this by promoting these principles in the hopes that it would change civic behavior. But that ain't going to happen if I think like this. So, guys, my appeal to you is simply to go sift your thinking through biblical truisms and think like somebody that belongs to Jesus Christ in that kingdom and that kingdom alone. And um, that, I think, is the most evangelistic thing that the people of God could ever conceive of. Is that we live like we belong to a different king with a whole different set of kingdom principles. And those are my thoughts. May we pray. Father, I do pray that you will help us sort some of this out. It's not, it's not simple. It's, it, is, um, it is complex. It is nuanced. It is, um, it's troubling when we face all that sin has done in, in this culture of ours. And the church um, is twiddling her thumbs trying to, um, trying to get richer and more comfortable. And I pray that uh, you would use Gracie Van to, um, to oppose that. To oppose a, a godless brand of thinking that will never uh, honor the king. Would you uh, help us figure out what that means for all of us? The doctors, the patients, the nurses, the teachers, um, the taxpayers, all of us. Would you uh, help us figure out what that means for us as we seek to reflect kingdom principles and kingdom values? We ask it, as always, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.